between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Our Lord, this morning we bless you again. We come again into your presence with reverence, Lord. We come again, Father, with brokenness of spirit. We come again, Lord Jesus, with all meekness. We count it a privilege to be among those who worship you in this time, in this day, in this age. Thank you. Thank you for the mercy that has that found us and is keeping us. The same mercy by which we stand. Father, we stand in your mercy this morning again, looking up to you, looking up to heaven, looking up to the Father, Lord Jesus, we ask this morning for another visitation of your ministry. We pray that you will come and redeem this time again. Open up that stream again. That wonderful, sweet water. That stream that doth flow out of your very bosom, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the words of eternal life, the words of everlasting life. Thank you for season of the declaration, the publishing of that word, of this gospel. We give you praise this morning. We ask you to come and help us to ride upon the wings of the Spirit again today so that we can ascend and climb in our heart into that place where you set the table in the heights for us to feast to feast of things better than the earth can offer to deal and interact and converse with thoughts higher than ours we ask for great privilege this morning privilege that only comes from above say who is he that receives anything that has not been given to him from above we pray to you father of lights father of lights Send light today. Send your word to us. Thank you for the grace of ministry to minister the New Testament by revelation. The eyes that see it, the gift of those eyes this morning. We anticipate, we trust, we are waiting for leading to be carried, Lord, by your spirit into this pasture. Come and bless us. Inspire us. Move our hearts. Bring forth clarity. Establishment of counsel, of judgment. Strength, impartation, Lord, of graces. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Can have your seats. Thank you. Let's appreciate the worshippers.
for helping us to worship God. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Um, please, you can just say hi to somebody if you haven't already, to someone beside you. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Many of us are happy to be in the presence of God today. You're glad. You're glad like me. Um, thank you. Let's open our Bibles very quickly. We, um, we're going to have a shorter meeting today, by God's grace. <laughs> Praise God. But I believe it will be full of blessing by God's grace. The Lord will bless us. Um, okay, let's see first. Let's see John. John, thank you. First epistle of John. First John chapter. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, first John. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I think we're reading this last Saturday, am I correct? Um, we're saying First John from chapter 2. Chapter 2 from verse 15. It's, amen. I'll read if you're there, say amen. Amen. It says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. Praise God. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Praise God. And the world passeth away, and the loss thereof. But he that doeth the, the will of God abides forward forever. Praise God. So it's very clear that abiding forever, which is the, the word abided for, uh, abiding forever, is um, speaking about a kind of life, right? It's not, it's not just talking about existence. It's, it actually has to do with, um, it's, more, it's more qualitative. Praise God. It's more qualitative. It has to do with the, for it to abide forever, it means you have, you've come into certain properties, praise God, that can make you, remain in this place. And this place of abode um, is, we know, we know of course that this is talking about abiding in God. Am I correct? Abiding in God, because we saw that from John chapter 14, that, that was, that's the goal of Jesus, right? When he went to his father, then he came back, he said, okay, um, the reason is so that where I am, 
that you may be there also. And we discover that where Jesus actually is, is actually in the bosom of the Father. In John chapter 1, he said that no man had seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is where in the bosom of the Father, that that same person, that begotten Son of God, amen, that is the only person who declares him. Praise God. So the, the begotten Son of God very clearly is the Son that has been born of the will of God. Right? Because earlier in that chapter of John chapter 1, right, let's read it. Early in John chapter 1, it was saying um, about those who received the Son. Of course, those who received him, they received what he had to say. Do you understand it? So when you say receiving him, um, Jesus came as a, a preacher. Or he came actually as a teacher, as a declarer of things that are in God. Amen. Um, so in, the, in John, John brought about clarity. So he brought some definition to the the, when I would say the earthly ministry of Jesus, but not earthly, not just in the sense of, um, not just in the sense of when, the time when he was here on earth, but earthly in, this, in terms of when he put on, you know, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, he says that he became, right, he took on the form of a servant. Praise the Lord. So taking on the form of a servant, of course we knew that he took on not the nature of angels. The Bible says that. He took on not the nature of angels, but the nature of man. So when you think of servants, there are two main categories. The flesh, praise God. So... Jesus Christ putting on flesh was for the purpose of a ministry. That there is actually a ministry that Jesus could not do if he did not put on flesh. That if he didn't put on flesh and he tried that ministry, that it took somebody, he said, because the children were part of. What's going on here? Because the children were partakers of flesh and blood that he also partook of the same, am I correct? So that by, through death, he might destroy him that has the word, the power of death. The word through death, actually, to me, it means that through the power of denying once, because the death that he went through had to do with the denying of the flesh. So you needed a man who can come into flesh and deny it. A person who can come to flesh and say, okay, flesh, I can stand against you and deny your dictates and deny your life and actually deny your, your own will. Praise the Lord. Do you agree with that? So Jesus Christ needed to put on, take on that form of his servant or he had to take on the form of man to be able to do that ministry. Um, because the Bible says there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God and man. Who is the person? The man. Do you agree with that? 
So the man means that he's not an angel. Right? They specify that he had to become mediator. I don't think it's there, it's here. Let me try. Is that good? Okay. Stop now. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're good. We're good, we're good. Father, we thank you. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus had to take on flesh, right? He has to become a man for that ministry. To be a mediator between God and man, you need to, you need to take on what man is wearing. Because what man is wearing is his limitation. Right? So when you say, what is man wearing? We're not just talking about the dust or the clay. That's more than the, what man is wearing. Um, the, the dust and the clay is tied to the, the physical. It's actually tied to the, the physical outward dimension. Praise the Lord. So, and all of those things are the, those are the weights, the, the things that uh, man came under. What man was supposed to be above, man came under it. And instead of man being the master of his environment, his environment mastered him. Priest, are you seeing what, what happened? Because the devil came and weakened him. You who did weaken the nations by virtue of sin, sin demotes. Right? You know, the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So if you want to go down, sin, keep sinning. When you keep sinning, you keep um, going down. Praise God. Sin has more impact than making God angry. That's not the real. Religion makes you feel that way, that. Sin just makes God mad at you. So you, he doesn't come. He, go, he goes away. Holy Spirit goes away. I'm taking a break right now because you sin. So I'm angry at you. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Then he comes back. That was the, that's the milk sense. <laughs> but there is, it's more than that. Um, sin actually, sin destroys. Sin kills. Sin, sin doesn't only corrupt. Sin disintegrates. Sin makes useless. Sin makes worthless. Imagine something that can make a man lower than his environment. Praise God. That's a very bad thing, right? So, so, so Jesus had to, now, to, into man's world, man's world had been taken over. But man has lost his grip on the natural, the natural earthly dimension of creation. Man had lost his grip. So, Man got to, this outward dimension got to a point where it no longer responds to man anymore. It doesn't respond to man, rather it responds to sin. Right? He said the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly. Not willingly, but by what? Him that subjected the same in hope. It means God permitted the creation. To be what subject to vanity was a legal operation, because the present creation needs a master, right? 
is actually sensitive. The outward nature is sensitive to, there's supposed to be a, a, a soul, uh, a kind of a spiritual entity. The spiritual is greater than the natural. The spiritual should govern the natural. And the, the natural yearns for that government. So when men fell, sin took over. Praise God. And so it's under the government of sin, that's where the present, it's hard to separate present from sin. It's very difficult to separate present from sin. And if a man innocently wants to interact with natural things in the present, he will find himself doing what? He will find himself sinning because the elements are not the same way they were when they were created. They have been subjected to another master. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, so Jesus actually, what Jesus actually came to do is he actually came to take it back. But to take it back, he has to put it on. Right? So that same thing that was subject to vanity, Jesus had to come and wear his suit of vanity. And he had to come and move into a world of vanity in order to deny vanity. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Praise God. So I was saying that Jesus is the son of God. And so this son of God, who is a mediator between God and man, he has a ministry. Praise God. And that ministry is for, is actually the, the declaration or the, the bearing of witness. The bearing of witness concerning the will of God. Amen. The bearing of what? The bearing of witness concerning what? Concerning the will of God. Um, because man's problem, I think we've been looking at that, the man's problem is what he has been, what he's been, what he's been seeing. We've seen it in different ways, that his problem is what he sees, what he's tuned to observe, what he's tuned to see, what speaks to him, what speaks to man on his, in his depths. That's man's problem. So you find sometimes when the solution to man's problem comes and he's talking, hey, this is the solution. This thing, the solution is life and everlasting life. And you just tell somebody, the solution to all your problems is life and everlasting life. He will tell you, I understand. Is that not John 3, 16 or something? Say, ah, okay, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm, we will continue this conversation later. So you've told him what his problem is, but he doesn't register. He can't register to him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because for, for it to, it's because of the, the work that has been done. We saw it as blindness. Right? The, the present is actually a veil. The, the present, the flesh that man is wearing, man's flesh and his world, our flesh and our world, is, it has become a mighty veil that veils us. What does it veil us against? It's a veil against the will of God. It's difficult. Anytime a person can perceive the will of God, a miracle has happened. Anybody who is walking in God's will on the earth is a walking miracle. You're walking, if you're looking for a miracle, it's not the blind scene and all of that. It's not someone being raised from the dead. Right? That's miraculous to a fallen man. But someone dying and waking up is not miraculous to a living entity. And there can't be wow that a man just woke up. A man who was there. Because to an angel, all that happened is his spirit departed and his soul, and then you brought it back. Okay, that, what, is, what is special about that? 
right? Like you say, okay, someone didn't have a leg, your leg grew out. Okay, this person didn't have a leg. What is leg? Leg is mix up carbon, mix up um, all the, what mix up the body? I don't know what those things are. Whatever they are, just add some more. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? Or you, don't, you didn't have money and then money came supernaturally. What is that? That's nothing. That's nothing. You just had more purchasing power to purchase debt and vanity. It's not a miracle. Praise God. So, so real miracles, real miracle has to do with the, the will of God. What makes spirits wonder? What, makes, what, what counts in the realm of the spirit, in the realm that matters? are things that pertain to the will of God. You almost, if you want to make an angel, wow, whoa, what's that? Find a way to expose an aspect of God that was not seen before. That's what angels wonder at. And you know, when it comes to service, when it comes to living creatures, how to live, how to be, what things matter, angels are the teachers. We actually follow them. Right? Angels don't celebrate vanity. Angels celebrate what? They celebrate substance. Like when they are looking at that being upon the throne, gazing upon him, as the lightnings and the thunderings and all of those things proceed out of him, they are amazed at the wonder. Nothing can match the wonder in their heart compared to what, you know what I mean? What is coming out of God. God bless the Lord, all ye what is angels who what excel in strength and then hacking. So you mean two things in one. Be some, someone who excel in strength, you expect the should, next thing they should say is what they are doing with their strength. Who excel in strength, who traverse the universe, exerting <laughs> their strength or something like that. <laughs> Praise God. But they, they are so strong that they, they, they hacking. They do a mighty job hackling to the voice of his word. They, they, they use their strength to purchase what? Real what? Substance. Then the, the next level. Blessed God, all you, minister, all you what? ministers of his that do what? That do his pleasure. Those are the seraph, seraphims who are also angels. Are you seeing that? Praise the Lord. And he spoke about this, all his works in all the places of his dominion. Amen. So, the see finally blessed the Lord, oh my soul. That's Psalm 103. So, you see all the cadres of this, these are all servants, right, telling you what each servant does. Praise God. So, um, this idea of wonderful, it's, it's, it's time for earth to become tuned to heaven. Whenever we are not in tune with heaven, we are missing it. When we put other things, we misplace the priority. We put other things first. We are missing out on what a spiritual living entity ought to do. Praise God. So, um, so what I'm saying is that the purpose of um, the Son of God, why the Son of God came, you know, he came and then he had flesh. He took on flesh. The purpose of that is for immediation. Is for a ministry. Now, the mediation of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, is not something that he does in a vacuum. Okay, Jesus is right there at the hand of the Father. 
Praise God, let me go to market. As I'm in the market selling, he's talking to the Father on my behalf. So we, we don't have to concern ourselves too much with God and all because, you know, we are not even worthy. Who are we? Who are we? Because we can't go there, that's why Jesus has gone for us. Let's just do our own thing and maintain our life. But it's not true. That when, if you are busy frying a car or something, and then, and then Jesus is before the Father and then they open your own book and you are not present in that conversation. It's like somebody, <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. They, nothing can be done because the mediation is not telling God something that God doesn't know about you. The mediation is actually, the mediation is trying to trans- bring things from God's realm. It's, it's to resolve the differences. There are differences between you and God. There's a gap. This one is thinking like this. The other one is thinking, are, you are both, say, my, 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 my way are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so are my ways from your ways and from your thought, from your thought. Then how do you bridge the gap? It's not that God has to change. We think that way. Jesus has to go and maybe just tell God one secret thing. Ah, okay. I would like him from today. No, that's not the mediation. Because that chapter where he spoke about the ways and all that, later he said, let the unrighteous man forsake his way. Let the wicked man forsake his, his thought. So God will not forsake. God doesn't have to change. The change is in your path. So the mediation has more to do with you than to do with God. Praise God. So in John chapter 14, where we were reading, where he said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You think that he's just going to do something there. But that preparation has more to do with you than it, it has to do with what? With him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> um, so the, the purpose of the Son of God is for the is to bridge, like I said, is to bridge the gap. Am I correct? You want to bridge the gap by between God and man. But the gap between God and man is a gap of will. That's where the difference is between them. Is when you say my ways are not your ways, my thought, ways and thought are the summary of will. So what is the will of a man? You say, okay, what is his ways and what are his thoughts? They are not the same thing, but both of them together summarizes what the will of a living entity is. Praise God. Amen. So, what does it mean by of ways and thought? Ways. Ways is the will in the heart. Thought is the will in the mind. Those are the two, two parts of a man that are fighting with God. The two parts of us that are making war with God our heart and our mind. In the book of Hebrews chapter 8, it said that this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in that day, that I will put my what? Laws in their mind, and then I will write it in what? In their heart. So you're seeing those two places. That's where the, the covenant, what's the meaning of covenant? Covenant means agreement. So this is the agreement I will make. I want to make an agreement. I want to bridge a gap. Praise God. And so that, that covenant is, has to do with the putting of the will of God in the heart and where? In the mind. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> now, this, this will, um, 
the, the, the carrier of the, the will of God, the carrier of the will of God out of God is the Son. Let's just read some things here. <clears throat> this John, so this is not First John now, this is the, the Gospel of John, amen. The Gospel of John chapter, Gospel of John chapter 1, thank you Jesus. Gospel of John chapter 1, um, I think towards the end. Okay, actually let's read verse, verse 18. Um, John chapter 1 verse 18, <clears throat> if you're there say amen. It says that no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, that he has declared him. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has done what? De- declared him. Now, this begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, um, the purpose of the Son of God coming to God. Remember in the book of John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So this only begotten son, who is in the bosom of the Father, God gave him. Right? He gave him so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but what? Have what? Everlasting life. Now we know that believing, when it says believing, is a big word. Am I correct? Believing is a big word that includes receiving. But if you say, okay, I just believe what I didn't receive, they will say, no, no, you didn't really believe to the end. You didn't believe where? That the purpose of believing is for receiving. Right? The purpose of faith is to what? Is to, is to receive. So, um, Jesus um, came, the, the purpose of the Son of God coming is so that men can believe him. Right? But when you summarize believing, the, when men have really believed him, Men will have received him. Right. So nobody can say they believed him if they have not received him. If I ask you, do you believe the Son of God? Yeah, I believe him. I will say, wait, I'm not too sure. How do we know you believe? We check how much of what he brought do you have in you? How much do you know about what he came to give? If you don't know too much, then most likely you haven't really fulfilled what that thing called believing. Praise the Lord. So the son, when you say son, who is the son? The son is the person who, has, who carries the, who carries the, he carries the, the son, the son is, the, is, the, is an embodiment of the heart and the mind of the father. The, is an embodiment of who? Of the heart and the what? And the, not son as in male child. Now, we're talking of scripture language of son. The son is a developed person. The, fa- the son is who the father has raised. Right? Who the father has raised and given. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So, a son is that who was given. By who? Given by the father. And when the father will give is because, the father gives because he has finished his work. And the work of the father is the impartation of his heart 
and the impartation of his mind to the son, which is also the impartation of his thought and the impartation of his ways. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this son in the book of 1 John, let's see 1 John 5 very quickly. 1 John chapter 5. Father, we thank you. Praise God. <clears throat> I read from verse 1. It says that whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Praise God. Do you agree with that, that statement? That everybody who loves him that begat, loveth him also who is begotten of him. Why does he love who is begotten of him? Because who is begotten of him carries, the, he carries all the content of him that begat. Praise God. So, when the, the son is the, the, the son is the teacher of the love of the father. Right? The son is the one who, you must encounter the son. If you want to love the father, I know we are speaking concerning the father's love. If love not the world, if the love of, if you love the world, if any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Praise God. So, for the love of the Father to be, when it says be in you, it means that you have received something. That the love is something that you must receive. Now, you don't receive that love ordinarily. You must receive that love by receiving him who has been sent. To bear that love. You must receive the bearer of who? Of what? Of the love. Praise God. So the son, for God to love the world that he gave. The son is who he gave. His only begotten son. Unto us was a, a child was born. Unto us a son was given. So the, the son is actually the gift of the father. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Now, it's so that men can know. Now, let's read verse 2. That by this we know that we love the children of God, right? When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God, dot what? Overcometh the world. And this is the... Victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. But who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the what? Son of God. Now, let's join verse 4 and 5 together. Verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Am I correct? Now, verse 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So you can put those things and equate them together. That if who is born of God overcomes the world, praise the Lord, then he that overcomes the world is he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So it means that him that believeth 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Is him that is born of God. Does that make sense to you? So, what that this being called the Son of God has is what he actually carries is he, 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 was, he received something from the Father, but that thing which he received from the Father is a training, but the training is a begetting. Is a begetting. The father was begetting him by training him. Do you agree? Now, I, my daughter now, you say, ah, has she been, been born? Yeah, you can see her there. She has been born. Her body. <laughs> that is, her body has been born. But that, when you think of who she will eventually become, She's in the process of being born every day. In my house, I'm giving, we are giving birth to her. So the way you give birth to a body is not the same way you give birth to a soul. You give birth to a soul by training. There is birth in the body dimension, which is one day, pop, born. <laughs> Praise God. Physically, right? But when it comes to the body, what happens? You have to be being born again. That's a, a, a continuous word. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's Peter. Praise the Lord. So it's speaking of when it comes to the birth by the word, which is the soul birth, is, a, is actually a being. It's not having been born again because you are born again, but being, as you are being born again, you're being born again by the word of God. He was speaking to born again people who have been born again in their spirit, but are in the process of being born again in their soul. And the way they are being born again is, they are talking of the, the birth, not the birth even in Christ alone now, was actually speaking of another dimension of birth, which is the being the birth by the word of God, which liveth and that word and abideth forever. So being, being born of that word of God is actually the same thing as the, the, put that verse and then you link that verse with he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Now, so the person who doeth the will of God, who abides forever, is the person who has been born of God, of the word of God that liveth and abideth. Do you see that? So it's very clear that that birth has to do with the training of the will that makes a person abide. So the purpose of the, of the will of God is to produce birth. So the will, that's just what I want to say this morning, is that the will of God is how God gives birth. And anybody who will dwell with God must have been born of God. God doesn't, doesn't gather the children of the enemy. He's not going to carry, he's not going to have an abode with the children of the enemy. He will have an abode with people who has been what? born of him. 
And those who have been born of him are people who have been born of his will. Does that make sense? Praise God. So, verse 5 here is saying that everyone who believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So, it's time believing that Jesus is the Christ to being born of God as well. Do you agree with that? Now, in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, praise the Lord, thank you, verse, verse 10, John 1 verse 10, it says that he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to do what? Become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name. So, like I said before, believing, when he says those who believe, right, that he's born of God, I said believing has to do with receiving. Believing doesn't, you've not believed if you haven't received what you've believed. So now he's saying as many as received him, that those are the ones he gave power to become, that word power to become it's not the power of Christ. It's not just the Christ, the power of God. This power to become is actually there's a power of begetting. The power that can make a person born of God or that can make a person the son of God. Praise the Lord. So that power, ye, as many as received him, to them give him power to become the sons of God. Then he now explaining that these, even, these are them, even to them that believe on his name. So, of course, they receive him because they believed on his name. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. I said praise the Lord. So, this power, I say power to become. Power to become. Now, power to become has to be, power to become has to be preached. In the New Testament, there is only one way of the discharge of power in the New Testament. Power, nobody can receive power unless they have been preached to. Preaching is the, preaching is the, in preaching, that's where the, is the key, the instrument, is the operation that can do what? That can bring about receiving. Praise God. Preaching can bring about what? Preaching can bring about receiving. Power is the, power is the, when you say power to a soul, something that's powerful to a soul is that which can, that can bring about change in a soul. Power is the ability of change. When you say Jesus Christ, who is the power of God, I mean Jesus Christ is the ability of change into God. 
för att ha Yeah, I will make you powerful, said the Lord. For these are the days of my power. These are the times of my power. These are the times of the declaration of my power. This is even a season, yeah, this season which you have been brought into. This very season and this very time is a season of my power upon the head. For yeah, vessels are being raised. Ministries are being raised. Avenues are being raised and being developed for the giving of power. For men will be made powerful. Even many, 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 many will come even into this power, says the Lord. For yeah, there are powers to come into. 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 There are changes to occur. There are changes to occur. There are things to come to pass. There are seasons to come to pass, even upon men, upon the earth. For here, many will witness this change, this transformation. For here, before the eyes of the world, before the eyes of many, will so many, even among my church, among my people, they will be transformed from mere men into men who have power with God and who have come into the nature of God, said the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So you see, power, power, the power of God is the, the power. Anytime you hear power, power is the, the instrument of transformation. When it comes to the changing of the soul, no, cha- no soul can change without power being exerted upon the soul. That's why the, the power, the, the, the first power that man is actually exposed to is the power that this world has. So when a person is born into the world, the person has been born into a realm of power. It means you've come into a sphere for things to be exerted upon you. This world is prepared to, is, is designed to change the soul. To transform the soul. Praise the Lord. Now, the power, the power upon the earth that is at work in the air, just anybody who is just living here without any kind of spiritual defense or any contrary activity to stop the, the exertion of the present upon the soul, all such men, the Bible speaks about such people in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Praise God. When he said, you had he quickened, right? Who were once dead in trespasses and sins in time past when you once walked according to the word, the, the cause of the sword, according to the prince of the power of the air. So you're seeing what you call the cause of this world being tied together with a prince. A prince who is powerful. Praise the Lord. That, that powerful prince, the, the manifestation of his power is in his ability to make men walk in a cause. He's just, he's just powerful like that. That the men don't even see him, but they are just walking every day. They just wake up, ah, what a beautiful day. Praise God. 
That stretching, what a beautiful day. They've already written your, they've written your script for that day. Praise God. They, they, they've written the, 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 the Department of Architecture. There's the, there's, the, and there's the Cause Architecture Department in the world. They've written your script. They just send one evil spirit to just bring it up. Okay, it's time. Go take a shower. Go take a, sh- go take a shower right now. There are things that we have to do. Praise God. And then you're happy. Oh, I just have some plans and things that you're thinking about. You're thinking about there is a cause. And just check all the men on the air. They all look, they all behave the same. We all, nobody has this, the might, the strength to defy that cause of how should men be. What are the things that men should worry about? Have you not thought about it? We all worry about the same thing. We all have the same cares. At the same age, we all think about we have this. At this age, this is the problem that people at this age think about. When you move to another age grade, these are the problems of this age grade. It's not ordinary. Power, say power. Praise God. So this, this prince of the power of the air, what is his real power? What is his strength? Is his ability to develop soul into a cause, into a way. That when, he's, when, when he has developed the soul, the soul becomes so married to the way that the soul cannot, he can't but just live that way. He doesn't know any other way to live. That's the sign of a power. So, so what does power do to a soul? When a soul has jammed the power, what does the power do? The power gives way and thought. That's what power wants to give. Gives way and thought. Okay, from now on, this, this is your way. And based on that way you've inherited, thought from that way begin to stream upward into your mind. So many of us, the thoughts that we, we struggle with is because of ways that are in us. Now, the devil doesn't just give thoughts. Thoughts are not that powerful. Do you understand that? Thoughts are not what? That they are not powerful to stand alone. If, if thought can just stand alone, we just need only one message. Just one message that will just tell you the point of your life is to inherit God and the throne and close the Bible and go. You will just say, okay, World, bye-bye, no longer, I've heard it. All my ambitions are dead from today. We are going to God and you don't need preaching anymore because I've given you the thought, right? But when that thought is coming, there's something called ways in the heart. That's the way in your, a man's heart, he doesn't even know it. The way in a man's heart, they are deeper, the waters. Praise God. You know, the Bible said that counsel in the heart of a man is as deep waters. It takes a man of understanding to draw them out. That word counsel is actually, the, the, the counsels, we're talking about sitting counsels. Sitting counsels in the heart are ways in the heart. Praise God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So the, the, the function of the power is to the establishment of Ways and thoughts. Ways and thought. Ways and thought. 
What is way? Way is the spirit of the heart. The way is the spirit of the heart. Or you can put it this way, the way is the, the spirit of the heart is the software that is installed in the heart. That when you type in a query, it will do its logic. Give its result. Now, now that, that software, it has many things inside of it. It has its judgment. Let, let's, for example, let's say Google. Let's say Google, for example. Now, you, you can't just sit down and summarize everything Google has to say. For you to begin to know Google, be punching in queries. And then see... Have you asked Siri questions before? In one, one time you now realize that Siri can be silly too. A very dumb. <laughs> Praise God. But, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? That, you, that you, you don't know everything that is coded there, but when you put in a query, then it gives a response. The response it's giving you is based on a way. It's based on that way, is the sitting, is the, is the inward logic. That is on the inside. Praise God. So when the world is installed in the soul, Satan is not, is not afraid. Shall you know how the devil makes people bad and how he makes us fall short of everything God wants us to do? It's not by following you around every single time. He doesn't need to. He has, he has developed us for years, some of us decades, to make sure that he doesn't have to follow you around every time. The evil spirits, they are, so, they are so confident in what they have done. They can even leave you, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going for a two-week retreat right now. Right now, I'm, I have decided from now on that I'm going to leave. Um, I'm not going to leave my life any second in my life anymore without eternity in view. So I'm going to take a two weeks break. No food, just water. My Bible and my jotter. Now, when you're going to do that, <laughs> praise God. Now, you see all these spirits, they might even say, oh, oh wow, okay, no problem. Um, won't follow you. <laughs> Let's just give you time for, you need that retreat. Praise God. You know, in, sure you know, it's demons that are afraid of you going to a um, deliverance service. Right? They know you're going to deliverance service. If they've checked the minister coming, this guy is too loaded. He will disturb us. So they might not even follow you there. They just, praise God. Praise God. So, but this kind of operation, it's not, it's not the... The demon of the world. No, no, it's not. It's not all the de- you, you had he quickened, who were once dead in the in which you once walked according to all the demons in the world. No, demons can can't give a man away. Demons cannot make a person. I mean, the demons who make someone sick, who makes people poor, the demons who makes people die, those outward expressions of darkness cannot culture ways in men. They are not that powerful because they are, those are too outward. They can easily be cast out. 
But when it comes to the power to keep men in a cause, it took a prince. This man called, the, this, sorry, this man, this, he actually was an angel. Well, that's the devil. Praise God, who is the prince of the power of the air. He doesn't come down and follow everybody. He just stays in one place. From where he is, that prince of the power of the air, praise God, his job is to install what? The, his ways, ways of living. Ways of living. He does a work that, let's remove all the demons from around you. And let's just leave you. Just, just you and the world. You will be sinning every day. You will just be sinning. That constantly, all the thoughts that enter your mind will be thoughts that are contrary to the will of God. Just naturally. You naturally flow. Men naturally flow contrary to the will of God. Praise the Lord. So I see this message. This is the this is the this message is the this is the hard when you say word of righteousness, this is the word of righteousness. Sometimes it's hard to really pin okay, what of this word when you're trying to preach this word to some people that have righteousness, you know they are the hardest guys to preach to. You know what I mean? Because they even feel that they are living right more righteously than you. Right? They feel they are living more righteously than you. Why? Because the, the milk of the world is not sophisticated enough to expose the ways in the heart of a man. The milk of the world can expose the works of the flesh, outward weaknesses, the obvious things and even an unbeliever can know that ah, you, you need Jesus. <laughs> You know, you know, many things that we claim as righteousness, unbelievers can see it. They can, they can, even, they can come to each other and tell you who are the spiritual ones and those who are not spiritual. Because they know what we call spirituality. You, are, you talk slowly, you talk nicely, you always pray all the time, you always add by God's grace when you say something. <laughs> Praise God, you always give money. What else do we term spirituality? All of, are you getting all of those things? Those are things that even an unbeliever can differentiate you between you. So those items, those items, they don't touch the devil's work in his soul. They don't. They don't. That is not where it is at all. If your sense of righteousness still has to do with all those things, Things that just normally, you know, you, can, you yourself can tell this one is bad, this one is good. That's not, that's not, that's not where the devil's work is. Do you know who the devil is? A, a cherub. Somebody who was able to deceive angels, he left God. He just stood them, he just handled the angels. So he meets some beings who, praise the Lord, some guys who they call ministers of his that do his pleasure. Those kind of entities. Imagine the sight they have, the wisdom of service that they have. Someone that was able to come and do something and convince them to leave. So you think that you just, you can just, what occurs to you is what Jesus came to die to save you from. 
I'll stop lying, I'll stop cheating, I won't go here, I won't go there, and all that. That's not it. It's hidden. Praise God. So that, that, see, that, that righteous man, that in that righteousness, the righteousness, that feeling of the righteousness of a man, it, for the most part, that's where the stronghold, yes, that's where the stronghold of the, the work of darkness or the power of darkness is in his soul. The devil knows it. There is a skill they have in the spirit. Angels, those beings, they have a skill. They know that. They know that you cannot, you cannot, the soul, the soul does not accept, does not, will not accept anything that's not a righteousness to it. Right? When you, see, when you meet a thief, right, a thief knows he shouldn't steal. And he knows that stealing is wrong. If a thief knows that stealing is wrong, then it's possible that his soul doesn't accept stealing. I don't know if you get the sense of what I'm trying to say. That if the circumstances were different, he would choose not to steal. So that would tell you that the work of the devil in his life is not in that stealing. The work of the devil is are the things that are right to him. That you say that let's, we give you everything you need, no problem. You don't need to steal anymore. You have money and everything. Just do things you, you yourself feel are right. Are you guys? <laughs> it's the things that men feel are right. That is the work of the devil in man. Praise God. Because righteousness, like if you, because what a man feels is right is what he guards the most. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Now, if you try to, if you, if you try to, um, when you're trying to tell men, um, Okay, let's, I've come to find a way to help you to fix some of these things. You have some moral faults. Like maybe sometimes when you lie, you don't, when you say something, they're not always 100% correct. <laughs> sometimes when you weigh, sometimes it's like just maybe 15% correct or something. You have that problem. <laughs> and the guy that you're talking to knows he has that problem, Right? So he feels like, ah, this is just the main issues I have. And when you come and say, okay, look, all these things are, your fault, are the faults you have. I will just bring a way to help you deal with them. That person, he will not fight you. He will welcome you. Because he sees that you can provide a solution. He feels you can provide a solution to the things that he has deemed are his problems. That's what religion does. That is what religion is. Religion is, is just a, is a, is a promise to, to men that we can help you arrive at the, 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 the way of the conduct standard you have in your mind. Religion is not revelatory. Religion is not trying to tell you 
to uncover secrets. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not, it's not really, so a lot of Christianity is just the same. It's not different from Islam or Buddhism or whatever. When in terms of how we, what we practice, what the majority of Christians practice is the same thing. We're just saying that we are just doing our own in Jesus' name. That's us. That's the only difference. And, and we think that just because we are in Jesus' name, that's what makes our own special. Praise God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That is not, now, there's some things that we should know. We should know that if, if God could reject the Jews, we should think twice about this thing about righteousness. Right? If God could, because, the, because the Jews are, they are people who, who are in their psychology. Is, their psychology is entrenched the concept of works, righteousness, that, that thing is deep inside the consciousness of a Jewish man. If you take a Jewish man and open it, bring out his heart, and then tear it open, you will see his works inside there. I'm just trying to tell you that that's how they are conscious. That's why they don't buy some of the, the that's one of the reasons why many Jews do not become Christians. Why they don't like Christianity. Because when they look at Christians, it's like, you guys are not serious. You're not serious. So you just behave anyhow. And then you just say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, have mercy. Please forgive me. And then that's the end of it. Do you get what I say? That, oh Lord Jesus, please. Oh, there's grace. Jesus, you died for us. You have, have mercy on us. And, and Christians just behave anyhow. The Jewish man, the, the way they are raised... A Jewish man believes in atonement. If you sin, you must suffer. Yeah, you must suffer. Either you must pay with something. You either pay with maybe your hardened labor, with money, with, praise God, before they go and give their goods and all that. But now, Orthodox Judaism, you can't, they don't have temples and all that, so they have to use charity. You, have to, you can't sin and say someone just took care of it. No. That thing means something. There must be a payment. They have a concept of that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if you have souls who are like that, who are, they are conscious about their sins. You see, a, a Jewish man is, a Jewish soul is, is burdened by his sin. They live, and it's a, it's a part of their consciousness as, as Jews. You must be consciousness of your sins. Sorry, you must be conscious of your sins. And the purpose of that is that that should motivate you to make atonement. Either through charity, through your good deeds, or whatever. That's the core of Judaism. Praise God. So if, if, um, the, if those things, how a, man, a man's consciousness of his own sins is where the solution is, the Jews should have been accepted. The reason why the Jews were rejected is because they did not subscribe to the concept, praise God, 
of righteousness being revealed. Are you seeing the difference? Righteousness being revealed. So if righteousness is revealed, what that means is that the revelation of righteousness means is the it means that there are standards of righteousness that you don't know. If there are standards of righteousness you don't know, it means that the righteousness you know are not the righteousness of God. Right? So the things you know to be wrong, if the things you knew to be wrong are the things that are wrong with you, there's no need for the revelation of righteousness. The entire concept of revealed righteousness is that men by nature are oblivious to their sins. No man knows what is wrong with him. Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 10, I believe, he said, My heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. But as it is not according to knowledge, for I bear them record that what? They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's unrighteousness, are going about seeking to establish what? A righteousness of their own. Being ignorant of who? Of God's righteousness, are going about seeking to establish a righteousness of their own. So, you see that the majority of Christianity that we practice, when I say Christianity, I mean the milk of the word, right? A, 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 a Christian who is born again, but who is just operating under the milk of the word, in the eyes of God, they don't see too much difference between you and let's say, for example, a Jew. Do you agree? Or a, you, a Jew or many other unbelievers? I want to ask you a question. Do you think all the Jews will go to hell? Let's say the ones who didn't, the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, who said Yes. <laughs> Okay, we think they, they will believe. The one, the one, because they didn't say, no, I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So because of that, they are all going to hellfire. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say anything about that. Because I feel like that will be surprised a lot. We will be very surprised. Yes. Because if you're, if you're going by that standard, many of all the prophets in the Old Testament should go be in hell too. Because who preached Jesus to them? Which day did they say, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior? Is there, every man, with, this is what Paul actually said, he said every man would be judged based on their own, but by, by what has appeared to them. You get what I mean? Now, let's say the law, those who are without the law, they will be judged without the law. So it means that when God is judging them, he won't judge them based on the law because they didn't have law. Neither is he going to be judging them based on whether they receive Jesus Christ or not because they didn't have a revelation of him or he didn't come to them. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? Are, they all, of, are all of them going to hell? We already know for sure that Abraham is not in hell. Because Jesus <laughs> am I correct, sir? Right? Yeah. A certain rich man died. And then he didn't, Jesus didn't say this is a, and I'll tell you a parable. It wasn't a story. A certain, somebody actually died. Someone actually saw Abraham there. Those cloud of witnesses they mentioned in Hebrews, they listed all their names. Then chapter, chapter, in chapter 11, right? Then chapter 12, so we're now having a cloud of witnesses. Those cloud of witnesses, they are all, all these olden days saints. Are you getting what I'm saying? God, God is more than what we think. When God is saying, is this person a hell material? It's not some kind, you know the way a judge can make mistakes. Maybe his glasses wasn't here, just, okay, this one. You know the way, that kind of thing. That's not how God judges, no. When someone, went, when someone goes to hell, Praise God, because when God extrades his soul, this is, a, this is a hellish nature. This nature should be in hell. It's not based on, oh, I prayed. Uh, this, uh, it's not that. Sorry, I'm saying something that might be controversial to you. It's just that your nature determines whether when they preach to you, whether you believe or not. That's the only thing, is that your nature determines. But some guys you feel you've preached to, you didn't preach to them. Now, if I go now, I'm a preacher, right? And I just take my Bible, and I just go to some, some person, and I just read one chapter. Now, I've read to you now, now, are you ready to receive Jesus as your Lord? <laughs> I, I don't even get what I'm trying to say. Have I, read, have I read to you? I've read it to you. Jesus Christ came, and everything, he has come to die for you. Now, lift up your hands. <laughs> and the guy's like, what is wrong with you? What? Now, the fact that I went to the person, I did evangelism, right? And I told the person, Jesus died and Jesus did all that. Now get born again. And they say, no, I don't believe you. See, that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that they have refused Jesus. Because it's very possible in all your preaching, Jesus was not even there. For his soul to refuse Jesus, he must have been, there must have been an experience. There must have been a witness. There was a, he must have refused a Holy Ghost moment. There are not too many souls who can refuse that. The reason why a lot of souls did not get born again is because they have not been witnessed to. Many of them, when the true witness comes, they will do better than you who is preaching to them. That thing that makes someone accept Jesus, said if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess, right, there's a witness, it's an operation of the Spirit that should be able to bring that conviction about Christ, they will convict the heart. They will, they will make the heart ah, like, like happened to Saul. This is my Lord. When, when, 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. When Jesus encountered Saul, I was saying, right, Jesus didn't say, before Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom that persecuted, he had already called him Lord. To me, what, to, what that tells me is that at that point, he has already believed in his heart the Lord Jesus and confessed with his mouth. Means at that point, before Jesus opened his mouth, Paul was already born again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When he saw, hey, who is this? Who is this? This man, he's my Lord. Sure, you know that word, Lord, it's not the way we use it. Yeah, hey, sir, how are you doing, sir? That's not how they use the word, Lord. When an Israelite, when he said Lord, is he Lord? Because Saul is not someone who would call somebody Lord without him agreeing somewhere in his heart that this man is a, is a Lord to me. So are you seeing? So preaching can happen without saying, raise up your hand right now. It is a witness of the Spirit. To the heart. So God is not unjust. Someone who hasn't had that opportunity to do that. <laughs> so if someone hasn't gotten that opportunity, and there are many people who, hasn't, who didn't have that, God would, his own way of judging them is different. He judges them based on heart. He, God can see the heart. He said God tried the heart. He sees the reins. Are you getting what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For we are bringing back witnessing to the earth. That, yeah, Christ we witness to. For the end time, the days of the end are the great, the days of great witnessing. For many eyes will see him. Eyes who have been blind to him, who have never received the witness of him. To be a time for the true witness. For here, even as the heavens are being taken, the heavens are being opened. Even as space is given to ministers from above by virtue of the walk and the obedience of men. For there shall be more power given for witnessing. Even at different levels, said the Lord. I sense in my head that many, there are many people that will come, many people will come to Christ. There will be a time in the earth when churches, people will, people will just begin to walk into churches. You know, you didn't cajole, you didn't try to force, you didn't blackmail emotionally, you didn't do anything. You know, many of preaching is emotional blackmail, eh? many of evangelism. So you emotionally blackmail people, and those ones who are strong to resist your blackmail, you get angry at them and say, you are all going to hell. 
Thank God it's not up to preachers to determine who is going to hell. God is a spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this thing of, of witness, the Son of God is the person who the Father has raised up. The Father has developed him, right? And then given him to men. And him being given to men is what? Is he's a manifestation of the of what the ways and the thoughts, the ways and the thoughts of God to a man. That's who the Son of God is. Son of God is the is the giver of ways and a giver of what? A giver of ways and a giver of, of thoughts. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> now, if the, the ways and the thoughts of God is not inside a man, right? That man, that person cannot abide in him. You cannot abide in him without his ways and what his what and his thoughts. Or the way and thought is what you call the righteousness. Praise God of a man. So Paul was saying that you have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge, right? Or you being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about to establish a righteousness what of your of your own. Say God's righteousness. So the Son of God is the bringer of God's righteousness. He's a teacher of what? Of God's righteousness. Now, God's righteousness is the, you can also call it the love of God. Say the love. Because the love of, of a man, actually, are his righteousnesses. The love, what a man loves are his righteousnesses, right? Now, a, a, a person can be, like I was using the, the example of someone who steals, but because of conditions, in a condition make crayfish bend, right? So, that, so let's say, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Amen. But let's say you re- remove that condition, Right? And you leave the man, okay, just do what you like. Right? And he, has, he, can, he just wants to do what he likes. Right? What he will begin to do are things that feels right to him. There are things that do what? Feel what? That feel right. Things that feel right to him. What are, what are things that feel right to him? And the things that when you are doing them, you don't feel guilty. <laughs> right? You don't feel guilt. Now, the things that make men feel guilty when they do them are usually things that demons make men do. When an, a, a spirit, a high spirit, 
or when he called this prince of the power of the air, when he's walking in men, when they are doing his deed, when they are walking in his cause, they don't feel guilty about it. The only things a man feels guilty of are things he already knows are wrong. And he does them because of, he just lacks some kind of strength. Right? Like maybe so a demon of, let's say, sexual immorality or lust or something. He's tempting somebody to do something. It's something that the demon has a way to make you do it. Not because you really, they really leave you. You know what I mean? Most Christians, you know this thing of fornication, all the sexual sins, that we say, ah, the way you feel like those are the big sins. Ah, if, especially for young people, if you can deal with all these sexual things, ah, you guys can just go to heaven. That's why every young adult uh, conference or anything is those areas. They hammer, these are the sins of all these people. But all those things are just things that demons around the soul can make a soul, entice a soul to do. You, you hardly find Christians who are real Christians, not fake Christians. Real Christian who fornicates and, is, and he likes fornicating. He's happy that he's doing it. He's not, no, no. When they do it, there's a shame about it. They, don't, they know it's wrong. It's just, they're just powerless towards it. So something is literally externally making them do it. Something either in their body, something physiological. There's something that is making them. Are you getting what I'm saying? So those are, that's the world of demons. Demons make souls laden with guilt. That's one of the, because that is the, the real reason why Satan sends demons a lot of times to make people sin in that sense. It's not necessarily because you sh- just for you to sin. It's, to, it's to, to lay you with guilt. When you are laden with guilt, that thing, that guilt has a, an impact that is spiritual because it, it deals, it, it works against fate toward God. That's the purpose. That's really what the devil does. When demons make a person sin, they're actually an assault against your, your faith. The ability to, to, to stand in faith before God. Right? Because you won't feel a harm. So that's a different thing altogether. But these wicked spirits, evil spirits, spiritual wickedness in high places, right? The ones who are in charge of the cause of this world, praise God, what they make men do, men do not feel bad about doing them. In fact, the men, when they are doing it, they feel that they are being led by God. They feel like they are doing the will of God. They feel that, I'm just doing God's will. This is the next thing. That's the power of Satan. That's, just, that's Satan's genius. When he has walked, when he has walked, and he goes away, people are happy that they are pleasing God. That's where his own power is. That's where his own strength is. Because he is a spirit. He's anointed, an anointed cherub that covered it. His works are not easily, easy to, easy, easily seen and detected by, by people. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing what I'm saying? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> your time, you, have to, you have to tie righteousness or what you call will. Now, we've tied it will to will. We call it will. We call it righteousness. So, you now see how it ties to love. Right, that what the person loves really are the things that feels right to him. Yeah. 
So someone can be a sinner, but the sins that he knows he's committing, he doesn't love them. Right? Because to him, they are not righteous. But what a soul loves are the things that seem what right to them. Amen. Okay. So in that, this first John chapter, first John chapter two, praise God. Just shed more light on. Amen. Verse, verse 15. Praise God. So he said, love not the world. You see that? Neither the things that are in the world. That if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we've established this thing that when you say this love of the world now, that this world is not what we thought about when they say this world. He's in the world. Ah, she's in the world. When I used to be in the world. Uh, the person who is talking is still very much in the world, but oh, when back in the day when we were in the world. Now, what is thinking of when he used to, he used to party and used to... No, that's not when you were in the world. Many of us are not delivered from the world. We shouldn't be using the world in past tense yet. We are not qualified yet to do it. To, to, be, to be saved from this thing called world, the massive... You must have gone through massive investment of light. Light must have beamed on your soul for an extended period of time, for years, to begin to bring about revelation, uh, the, the, the un, unveiling of these things called worldliness on the inside. When the, in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, when that woman, Mystery Babylon, the great, you know, that's the woman, that woman is a science symbol of the world, having the cup of the fornication and all of that. See, that cup is sweet. It's, it's not a... And that's how the woman was written the name Mystery. That's the first thing. Mystery, Babylon, the great. So it means that she is a mystery, actually. <laughs> mystery means that when you see what you're actually seeing is not what you're seeing. You see a beautiful, nice woman with a cup offering you wine. Means what you normally go for, what your heart goes for, and so this woman, all the kings of the earth, commit fornication with her. These kings of the earth, when they say kings of the earth, you know, kings of the earth are not people who. The word king means they are influencers, right? The real kings of the earth are not people who empower in terms of political power. Political power is not the strongest power on the earth, right? Political power is, a bit, is strong, but political power is among the weak, one of the weakest cadres of power. Yeah, because a lot of times, politics has even been perverted. It has been perverted a lot. Um, when I say political power, I mean power that maybe is invested on somebody by a state. And the power that the state invests on the person is the power to force people to do things. That's all. Who is the president? The guy that we put together and we decide this is the man that will give the power to force us to do things. And if we don't do, and he, has to, he can force us at gunpoint. And if we don't do what he likes, he can with his gun come and carry you from your house and throw you into a prison. Or if he's not taking, he can even kill you. 
And we are the ones who gave him that power. You know what I mean? That's who the government is. So that political governmental power is not really power. It's not really power. You don't, when you're talking about power from scripture, you don't call such things as power. The president of the nation, they're not powerful. The kings of the earth are the people who, who are able to sell ways and thoughts. Those people, they are the controllers of the earth. The people who the average man wants to be like. Right? They, can, they, 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 they have the anointing, the skill to make a way of living to be accepted by souls. They, they are actually pushers of love. They, can, they are the kings of the earth. Those kings, they can turn a whole generation in one direction. Everybody just starts doing that thing. Power, right? Kings. When the kings decide that men can now be women, that's it. No, you don't have right. Even government doesn't have right to say no. A man is a man, a woman is a Who are you? You have to do with the king. Say that now on, a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. All the people say, oh, oh wow, that's true. So you mean this whole time, all these centuries, thousands of years before being alive, we didn't know this, nobody thought about this. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. This is groundbreaking. Hmm, what a thought. Are you seeing our nonsense, complete nonsense? But now you have not just government, big corporations, everybody say, yes, um, <clears throat> we, in the name of what? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> now you see all those grammar that they are putting there? It's just, it's just to avoid them saying that the real truth is that they are actually kings stronger than us. We here in this White House or, or the Parliament, whatever, we don't really have power. If we dare stand against this order that these kings are, have established that all the masses are moving towards. We don't, before you know it, we will say we will leave this place. They just easily vote us out and kick us out. So they don't have power. You get what I'm saying? So the real power holders are those who can influence. Uh-huh. They can take the shape. These days, we are seeing them taking the shape of Corporation, but it's not really corporations, it's just key people there who can change the cause. Look at Google, for example. Google is the most powerful entity in the world, powerful than all the governments of the earth put together. If they say you can't be president, you can't be president. How would they do it? It's not by rigging the election, no. They just determine when you search about this person, what will, what, what will <laughs> come out? That's all. So, whoever they say this person is, that's who you know. There's not, they're not, you don't need to rig election. They can, they can rewrite the, the world. They can rewrite the earth. Those are kings. Those are kings. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so these kings of the earth, so who are they? They are people who give righteousness, who, who have the power to influence hearts on what is right. So, you saw this woman who they are drinking from. They don't know that they are serving a spirit. They don't know. To them, we are not even religious. We are atheists. We don't believe in spirituality. But they don't know that they are the most spiritual 
they are, they are serving the highest spiritual purpose. If you can open there, your eye to see all the, the spirits that have vested interest in what they are doing. You see high spirit, very high spirit. Some of them, Satan himself is dictating what there's some level of power you can never come into unless you have dealings with Satan himself that will tell you, you can do this now. But you won't know you are listening to Satan. You think you are listening to your genius. This is just, I'm just a genius. That's why, how did you come into all this, this invention and all that? Oh, wow, you are a genius. He said, yeah, I'm just a genius. You are not a genius or anything. They just... Praise God, Satan just had mercy on you out of all the people <laughs> and invested in you. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So we have to be careful. Say mystery. So this thing called loving the world, we must not just summarize it and say it's not what appears. The love of the world in the soul is not what appears. So you see, in verse 16, he's breaking it down. Lost of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then what? And then the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. So all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of, the, of what? Eyes, and then what? The pride is not of the Father, but it's what? So... 15 says, there are two things that you must not love. Do not love the world. Do not love the things that are in the world. Praise God. So sometimes someone can love the world, but when it comes to the things that are in the world, they are in degrees. They are the ones that are more obvious they are the ones that are less obvious. There's the more obvious and then there's the less obvious. Right? Of course, the loss of the flesh is more obvious than the pride of life. Praise God. Say the pride of life. So the pride of life is the greatest thing in the world. Right? If, you, if, if you want to drive away, let's say, the spirit, in the agenda of the devil, they say, okay, right now, we want to establish this way upon the earth. They say, okay, how can we drive the way? If they try to drive it away by lust of the flesh, it will not be powerful. Because men can just say, I don't like this, I'm not doing it. Because the lust of the flesh is not as powerful as the pride of life. So you find out that the, the, the the most powerful ways on the earth are driven by the pride of life. Right. So, it's very, so it makes sense for the greatest thing in the world to be the least detectable by men. Now, pride and pride of life are not the same thing. Because a man can know, oh, I'm proud, even unbelievers. Know that you should not be proud. Why is this? Why are you so proud? Don't be proud. Be humble. 
when you look at all these kings of the earth, they are all humble guys. If you are not a humble guy, you can't be a king of the earth. Satan will reject you. No, you don't. We don't need area boys here. Because they know that if if you come with that your proud thing, there are many people can reject it. It's not. Uh, men are looking for a righteous man. Righteous men, right? When you say righteous, I mean according to man's sense of righteousness. So, but this thing called pride of life means the pride that is attached to the, your life. The pride that is attached to what? To your life. The pride of life. The pride that is attached to your life. That pride of life is the, like I said before, it is the most powerful thing in the world. The most powerful thing in the world. When you begin to deal with the world in a soul, you've gone far. You now hit another thing called pride of life. That one called pride of life. It's very clear that you cannot even see it without revelation. Right? Or the person who, is, who has that pride cannot see it in himself without what? Without revelation. Because of what it is tied to. So this is not the pride that you have a house. No. It's not the pride that you have a car. It's not the pride that I'm more educated that's not what the pride of life is. Yes. The pride of life is the pride a man has in his righteousness. That righteousness is the man's life. Right? Do you agree? That's the pride. It's called the pride of life. Now, when you're dealing with this pride of life, you see men who have this pride of life. People who are operating with the lower versions of the things of the world, like the loss of the earth, so loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, right? Those people, there are things that they go, go about doing so they, want, they can want to take from others. Right? They want to dip somebody. They can try to dip somebody here. Try to, you know, disobey just common civil order to maybe enrich themselves, right, to build a name for themselves, to do all kinds of things. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. But those, those kind of dealing things are lower than this thing called what? The pride of what? Of life. Now, when you see somebody who has pride of life, and these men who really, really have pride of life, who have excelled in pride of life, many of them are, they are, many of them, when you see their operation, you will call them righteous, to be honest. So many of these guys are the people who Paul was describing in, wait, let me just say something first to you guys. I mean, if you know that these things we are talking about here, Christians are involved, you know. Uh-huh. So let's, let's 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 get that clear, okay? So so these guys, the pride of life here, many of them are the kind of people that Paul was was speaking about in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, right? So after the person has after a person has journeyed in Christ, 
You've journeyed in Christ. You've journeyed in Christ. Sanctification, washings, all kinds of things. You've been subject to all kinds of operations in Christ. They've removed things from you. But you know, there's, there's, an as, there's a last aspect of Christ that is left to be attained. The most difficult aspect of Christ to, be, to, to, to attain. The weapon of the enemy that is the stronghold against that attainment is this thing. This is the most, this pride of life is the most spiritual, most elusive, most undetectable, undetectable blemish, weakness of the soul. It can pass through all kinds of spirituality. The person can be doing all kinds of spirituality, but to tamper with this word, this pride of life. The pride of life is the arch enemy of the love of the brethren. That fulfillment of the love of the brethren, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Fulfilling that last aspect of sanctification in Christ. A lot of times when soul begins to fail in that place because of this undetectable part called the pride of life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It is the, it is the arc weapon against charity. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, praise God, rounding up soon, <coughs> Paul took time, before he began to speak about that charity, which is the law of the brethren, he has to try and explain to you what it is not. And he has to, he has to now, first of all, clarify the pedigree of people who haven't achieved this charity. Right? That these guys are not anyhow people. That these are men that you take them, you elevate them into a place. That these guys, out of all of us, these are the best of us. What they are able to do, nobody can do it. Praise God. Verse, 13, verse 1, it says, Though I speak, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity. This charity is the love of the brethren, right? This charity is the bond of perfectness. So above all, put on charity. Above all, put on charity, which is the bond of what? Of perfectness. So that perfectness is perfectness in Christ, right? Which is this love of the brethren. Amen. So if, though I speak with the tongues of men and, and angels and have no charity, I am become as a sounding brass or as a tingling, tinkling cymbal. Now, of course, not to the sound of men. To, to men, you are a great oracle. But, but in the spirit, where you are supposed to be resounding, you are not sounding in that realm. Praise God. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I can move mountains and have no charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have no charity, it doth what? It profited me nothing. So you see these souls who can do these things. They can bestow their, their, their goods to feed the poor, and give their body to be bound, but yet they have not this thing called charity. Are you seeing this thing called charity? Praise God. Now, this thing called charity is the 
I'll, I'll call it the highest thing in Christ. Right? It is, it's, it's, it's love. It's love. It's also the, it's the peak of righteousness in Christ. You know, Christ is a world of righteousness. You're learning righteousness upon righteousness upon righteousness. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. Right? To the Jew first, to the Greek, right? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So there's a progressive revelation of righteousness in Christ. But the culmination of righteousness in Christ is the arrival of this, at this place called charity or this place called the love of what? Of the brethren. So the love of the brethren is, who are these brethren? They are those who have been born in Christ. That's why they are called brethren. They have been given birth to in Christ of the same seed, of the same gene in Christ. They've been born of the same word, of the same seed, of the same word, gene, what, in Christ. So, let's, let, so when such people, now a lot of times this happens, this can happen together. Souls are growing into this place together. They are growing into this standard together. Praise the Lord. Now, well, as they are growing into this standard, the sign, when you say loving the brethren, loving, you've passed from death unto life because you do, did what? Because you love the brethren. Loving the brethren is, is more than how you feel about your brethren. Right? Loving the brethren is coming into the same standard because we have defined love already, Right? You cannot separate love from what is right. Righteousness. So loving the brethren is, to, is at the alignment of standard of righteousness. Right? It, the alignment with the standard of righteousness. Right? That, that is anchored on the full demystification of the righteousnesses of the world. That's a high standard. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when you, and it's not easy, only say to, let's love this kind of person. It's not easy to love that kind of person. A person who has, who they, by grace, by mercy, by help, within them, they have, the, 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 the righteousnesses of the world has been demystified, including the pride of life. Right? Then, they are, of course, to love the brethren means that or for them to be in charity, they have agreed to not savour their, their own life. Right? That's the, the sign of charity. The sign of charity is when you no longer esteem your own life. You don't know esteem your own life. Why don't you esteem your own life? Because you, you can see another life. Praise God. You can see what? Another life. What is the pride of life? The pride of life is the attitude that blinds you against the life of God. It doesn't, it doesn't make you suffer and appreciate God's own life. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, we're talking about a pride that a Christ can have. Wow. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? 
It's not the pride of rich men. Uh, we are the ones here. Is there anybody else? That worldly thing. No, no, that's not the thing we're talking. When you say pride of life, it's deeper. Pride of life is, we're talking of a kind of pride that people who have some level of Christ, mature, some level of maturity in Christ, they've still not been able to deal with that thing. When you check them, they, they still love their estate somewhere. What I'm trying to say is they have not, their heart has not been raptured into, into a singular a singular desire for the life of God. This thing, you cannot will yourself into it. You can't. Because if you want to will yourself into it, you can't will yourself beyond something you know. You don't aware, you're not even aware of it. Right? If you ask, okay, what does it mean now that I'm seeing, you know, I just use grammar, singulars, and I'm trying to explain something to us. But, but what I'm talking about is that is, is when the, the life of God is appearing, like I said before, the purpose of the Son is to bring a witness of a life. Like I, I said that before, right? That's the reason why the Son, if you check it in the book of First John chapter 5, where we read, if you read on, you see how the Son came as a witness. Right? There were three that bore record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Then there are three that bear witness upon the earth. So, record, witness. Now so that there's the Spirit, there's the water and the blood. And the water and the blood is the Son who came by water and by blood, not by water only. Are you seeing that? The purpose of the Son is to, is to bear witness. What is the Son bearing witness of? We're talking about the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. Am I correct? Who had declared him. That declaration is the giving of what is witness. Now, so this place of seeing the Son, say seeing the Son, or hearing the witness of the, of the Son, praise God, is not the message they preach to you to get born again. Neither is it the word of righteousness or the doctrine of Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm talking about the gospel of the Son of God. The gospel of the Son of God is the gospel they come to preach to people who have entered the conversation of charity. The purpose of charity, right? The purpose of charity is to, is to empower the heart of, of a person to see God and to love God. It's another school. You, are you getting what I'm trying to say? There's something, there's a great, you see this, that, this, this, that place of transitioning, that thing they call the new and living way. There's a great, there's a great, there's a great um, boundary to cross. There's a great boundary to cross between somebody who has had inheritance in Christ and somebody who the, 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 the conversation and the world of God's own life has opened up to. They are not the same. When Jesus entered into that place, because Jesus was the first the man we saw who entered into that place and began to speak from that realm. When he was talking about that realm, 
the, the, the server of what he was saying is different. When he would tell people, I'm from above, you're from beneath. It was a guy who was talking to them. What he was said, said means, meant something. I'm from above. You are from what? Beneath. He was talking like that. Look, I am coming from heaven. That heaven is the, actually the heaven of the Father. He was speaking about being with his, with his Father. He said that if I and the Father, we are one. Whatsoever the Son doeth, whatsoever the Father does, so doeth the Son likewise. The Son doeth nothing of himself. Whatsoever he seeth the Father do. Right? He said, where, speaking of where I am now, that there you may be also. That place is a place so that's not a place that I have some revelation about Christ is right. No, 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 no. We are talking about a soul that a person that, is, that has crossed, a, a person that has crossed into the conversation of the very what? The very life of God. Jesus Christ had that. When he came to that place, heaven opened. God spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In Jordan. Transfiguration again. It's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Of course, talking about his witness, right? Who has, so that, by that time, he has come by water and he has come by blood. He has fulfilled, taken his place among the three that bear witness upon the earth to declare the Father. It means he, had, he has crossed into that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you now is that it's possible for a, a, a soul, a person, to be on the earth walking, having friends like we are like right now, gisting, right? And say, whatever I see the Father do. That's what I'm doing. How many of you believe that? Some of us, that laugh is okay. That laugh. See, this is the kind of things you have to believe, oh. Because they told us you must believe it. You must believe it. Because he that believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, he is him that is born of God. These are the things that we ought to believe. If you think of what is the task for this generation, is to believe impossible things. Things that generations before could not even think of before. Crazy stuff like this. Do you know there was, a, there was a time when people could not believe, you know, people only read in the scripture about Holy Ghost coming on somebody and then speaking in tongues. And then all the gifts of the Spirit and all of that. Let's say Dark Ages, for example, when the Catholic Church had taken over everything. Some of the things that we experience today were just, right? Everything was dark. Everything was flat. The idea of you knowing the Scripture and then having personal revelation from the Scripture was actually a foreign thing. They, they, They actually believed that that era had passed with the apostles when they died. That right now, everything is just flat right now. You get what I mean? When the, the season of the spirit was a fall, it was, was strange. Even as early, as recently as when Kenneth E. Hagin just began to minister, you know, through his encounter, he began to minister about the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, began to minister about healing the sick, right, receiving spiritual, supernatural healing. They actually drove him out away from churches because of that. No, no, we just believe scripture, just do Simple things, but after a while, those things became so common. So common. That was their generation. Thank God, God helped them. They were faithful. 
with those things in terms of establishing all. They opened up all the dividends of the milk of the world so that we can all drink. You see how everything that pertains to milk is so abundant with us. Very easily tongues, interpretation. We don't have no scarcity of word at all. Do you know what you're enjoying this? Do you know what you're enjoying this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Many of us don't even know, some of us who got born again in this season, you don't even know a season where you just go to church and come back. There's nothing, you just, they just the, the message is encouragement. Right? It's just encouragement. You just do Sunday school. Are you getting what I'm saying? The heart, you don't, the, the, the feeling, the touching of the spirit personally, the encounter you have in the deep moments of worship. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is so widespread right now. In, the, in fact, it's abnormal in a church now for not to have something like that. But it wasn't like that not too long ago. Not too long ago, you just come, they just preach, just take your pamphlet and all of that. The Holy Ghost was rare upon the earth. If they had told them that there will be a time like this when individual people will just be walking in the spirit, just they have spirit, the Holy Ghost, you can get direction from the spirit. Holy Spirit is in the meetings, he can speak, bringing clarity. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. So what I'm just trying to tell you is that the reason why I'm enjoying this, this, this now is because a generation fulfilled their task when it was an impossibility. This, they, they were labored in the milk of the world to bring the, the spirit down. People like he again, God anointed him. He wrote books. Through his books, you can gain access. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But the books is not where the labor. It was his life. Every day. Believing it. Believing it. Believing it. Believing it until access was given for those things to be reality on the head. Our own generation is our own task. Is our own task. The inheritance of Christ. Christ's nature. And the nature of God becoming a reality in a man, in a person upon the earth. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. By grace. Not by power, nor by might, he said, but by my spirit. There are some conversations we shouldn't even be thinking. Of. When someone says, no, you can't be perfect, you can't. Just don't even argue, just leave them alone. Just go away. Don't argue such things. Know that you are called to believe something greater. Something more powerful. More something that will have a great consequence to the, the cause of humanity. When the sons of God begin to walk the earth, begin to live according to his will. Time will come as this prophet prophesied that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, right? It's not some glory, something hanging, not smoke on the, on the air. It's men who have embodied that glory. That people will see men and begin to read the glory. They, what, what a thing. How can this happen to a man? It says in that day that seven women will take hold of one man and say, look, don't pay our bills. Don't give us money. Let's just be, let's just be named after you. Those, to me, I believe those women are actually nations that they will come. They 
come to pass in those days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be lifted above every other mountain. All nations will flow into it. They say, come here, come, let us go to the house of the God of Jacob. For he will teach us his ways. See, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Those things are prophecies that will come to pass. Praise God. Let's just begin to pray and, and just ask the Lord. It's still mercy because I feel like most times what just comes to my heart is just to pray for mercy. Just to pray, just pray for mercy. The mercy to help us in, to, to come into the reality of these things. If it's a help, I love that guy that told Jesus, look, help my own belief. I know some guys have faith, they are strong, but you see me, I know myself. My own unbelief needs to be helped. He said we should come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. This is that time. This is the time of mercy, to cry for mercy, to ask for mercy. We've reached this junction. We've reached this point where the, it is expressly being said to us, it is time, it is time, it is time. It is time for the fulfillment of this prophecy. It is time for men and women to arise, for people to arise who will take hold of this inheritance, who will rise up and go over. Like he came and said to Joshua, you've been around this mountain for too long. Now go, rise up, rise up and go across. Go over this Jordan. It's time to cross. Let's ask for mercy. Let's ask for mercy. Let's ask for help. Help from heaven. Help from God. Help from heaven. Help from heaven. Ask for help. Say, Lord, send your mercy to my heart. I need mercy. There's mercy to comprehend. Mercy to understand. There's mercy to walk. Mercy to obey. Mercy to yield. Mercy to let go. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Our Lord, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for this great promise which is before us. Father, we don't make the mistake of assuming that we have what it takes. That's why we are asking for you to help us. We're asking for your mercy to prevail. If there is any generation that needed mercy, that needs help to fulfill your desire, the task which you have put before us, ours, we are those people. We are the candidates of mercy. We ask, Lord, have mercy on us. I ask for every heart, every soul, everyone under the sound of my voice that there will be a, re a release, an extension of the mercy and the grace of God to everybody. That these words will not sit as a burden, but rather it will turn into grace, ability, strength for the fulfillment of those things which are being said. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We bless you, Jesus. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.